Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. So he spoke out. He was trying to stop the powerful Word of God from going forth. He was going to verbally abuse Jesus. Is there any hope? Do you think it's strange that there's a demon-possessed man in church? Where else should they be? By the way, the church is a place for sinners. This is not a hotel for Christians. This is a hospital for sinners. Amen? Christian, there's a battle waging for our souls. There is a war taking place in the heavenly realm that most cannot see, hear, or feel. But it's there, we can't deny it. But what can we do about it? Well, in today's message, Pastor Mark will give us some tools that we can use in this battlefield of life. Let's start off with the best and most efficient tool. It's the Word of God. We'll discover that it's not just portions of the Word that can be beneficial. It's all of the Word, from Genesis to Revelation. In the book of Ephesians, we'll read, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 21, as we continue through our message entitled, The Battlefield of Life. Today, three battlefields. I'll have some notes for you as you go through how to defeat Satan. You see, Satan was not only against Jesus, but we'll see this morning in this illustration through these next 20 or so verses here that Jesus confronts Satan in the church, in the home, and in the world. The first one this morning is Satan in the church. And they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came... Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. Now Jesus takes his four disciples, that's all he's chosen so far, and he sets up headquarters in a town of Capernaum on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was a large, thriving fishing town that was very popular and but known for its sinful lifestyle because not only did Jesus set his headquarters kind of up in Capernaum, but the Roman army had a headquarters there. And that's where they brought their pagan beliefs in to Israel. So you can see that there was a lot of sinful lifestyle that Jesus was going to have to confront. Notice it says, when the Sabbath came, as was custom, Jesus went to the synagogue. So this morning, you are going to be Jews in the synagogue in Capernaum. We're all going to be in the synagogue, and I'm going to be Jesus, because you have to put yourself in the city. So here came the Sabbath. Here comes Jesus. He comes into this synagogue. Now, the Jewish people at that time obviously didn't go to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. They would find a local synagogue, and if there were 10 families, then they would build a, a synagogue there. And that would be your worship place on that Saturday as you came and, and worshiped God. 
Now, typically that, that service would be run by the scribe, and there would be some worship, as we've done this morning. They'd take the scrolls out, they'd read from the Old Testament, and then a scribe or possibly a rabbi would get up and expound some on the Word of God, the Old Testament scriptures or whatever, usually the law. And after that, because in those smaller synagogues there wasn't a resident rabbi or scribe or priest or whatever, they would say, does anybody want to come and teach? Would you have something to say to the congregation today? And of course, Jesus had a lot to say. So he just got up and came up and began teaching. That's why you'll see him often in the synagogues teaching. Now, when you go farther in the book of Acts and on, you'll see Paul is doing the same thing all the time. Paul being very bashful when they asked if there was anybody there, he had a real hard time. He's right up there teaching because he had plenty to say. And of course, that's where he always used to get kicked out of, you remember, because the things he said, they didn't like to hear. So on this day, here's Jesus. He's there. We're in the synagogue this morning, and Jesus is teaching. Verse 22. Now the people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So they'd been used to hearing, you'd been used to hearing the teachers of the law. The scribes normally would spend most of their time quoting other rabbis really wasn't much in their life. They just quoted other people's quotes about the Bible. It wasn't like firsthand for them. And you'd been listening to me quote Spurgeon and, and uh, you know, Billy Graham and lots of people, Wesley from the old times, and I really wouldn't have much to say about anything because I'm just quoting other people. That was part of it. Secondly, quite often the scribes would get uh, sidetracked into petty issues, useless disputes. There'd be ritual and form. There's nothing wrong with ritual and form. But then they would then twist the law kind of to, to fit what they felt that you needed to hear. And as you remember, the Jewish people, the, the Pharisees had come up with some 600 plus laws, how to live. Now you came into the synagogue looking for help in your life. How do I live this life? How, how do I approach God? How do I help my family? What, what do I do at my place of work? And they would leave the synagogue in worse shape than they came in. What a horrible way to go to church. Because they would say from the, as they taught, you're not good enough. And did you do this? And what happened over here? And how come you didn't do that? And you can't please God that way. So these people basically were used to no application that gave them hope in their life as they read and were taught the scriptures. Now into this comes Jesus. And as you look at that, look what it says. His teaching was different. They were amazed. Now here's what the word amaze means in the Greek. It means to strike with panic or shock. In other words, as they were listening, the Word of God, as Jesus spoke, He didn't have to quote anybody. He was the Word. It was first place. He was talking with His Father. He didn't have to go back to anybody and say, Rabbi Hillel said this, and boom, 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 and all. He just said, and thus... You've heard it said this, but I say to you, and as these people listen to it, whoa, wait a minute, this guy's different than any visiting speaker we've ever heard. And it says they were amazed, and actually this is what happened to them. The word went, whoa, boom, it, it hit them in the chest. It had a bite like, remember our Rottweiler Jesus? The word went, whoosh, it, it bit them. There was something different. You see, because when Jesus spoke, he spoke the word. He spoke hope into their life. 
He told them they could be right with God. That they couldn't ever please God, but there was coming a day when they could be right with God. And he gave them practical illustrations. He wasn't tentative. He wasn't apologetic. But he spoke the powerful word of God. And it was as if, as you sit here this morning, the word came forth and boom, it exploded in your chest. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was like, whoa, he's speaking to me. And so they were totally challenged by this word from Jesus. Now, Satan knows the power of the anointed teaching of the word of God. And so this was a, a shock in the church. Now, turn, if you will, a couple verses I want you to look at this morning. Um, the first one is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. If you look that up, and then keep your finger there. Keep your finger in Mark. You're going to have three fingers in there. 1 Peter 2, 2. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, as you and I speak this morning, as we talk and we're in this, pretending we're in the synagogue, but we're here in West Melbourne, Satan is in the church through demons. You and I can't see them. And no, it isn't your husband or wife. He's here. It's a real battle. He's against the Word of God. But let's remind ourselves the importance of teaching the Word of God. God has given us, Ephesians 4 tells us, pastor teachers to teach the Word of God. Why is the Word of God important? Well, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, and I, you can look at that verse. I'm not going to quote it this morning, but basically it says this, like newborn babes, desire the milk of the Word that you might grow. So the very first thing that you're supposed to be doing, that I'm supposed to be doing when we're in church or in the synagogue, is to allow the Word of God to begin to grow me. That there is some change in my life. Now it's not, we're not looking this morning for head application kind of stuff. Head knowledge like, ooh, Capernaum's Northwest Shore, little town, Romans there. That's good. That's great stuff to know, but that doesn't do anything for you. You're looking for application from this word that we teach this morning that does this in your life. Makes you more like Jesus. Pretty simple. Difficult. But pretty simple. So, as you listen to the word this morning, you're supposed to desire the word. I'm not only here, but obviously at home in your own private times and your and your times when you study the word of God. But definitely here, and that's what Jesus was doing. He was sharing a word that these people were going to go. Whoa, I'm challenged by this word. Finally, there's something different here. I, I need to take a look at my life and what is Jesus saying and try to match them. So it's an application of the powerful word of God. The second thing, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. When the Word of God is taught, all the Word of God is important to us. It's actually God's mind. The Bible is God's mind in written form that you and I study. It's how God thinks and what He thinks about you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Let's read it. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, when we're here, all the Word of God is to be taught. That's why we teach the Old Testament, the New Testament. We teach all the Word of God. We're going through the verses, verse by verse. As we do that, the Word will expose your sin. Secondly, the Word will give us some of God's promises. Thirdly, it will 
tell us some of God's requirements or commands how to live holy. And then lastly, it will give us examples to follow. So it's effective. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's not something that you just can take and say, well, it doesn't have any effect on me. No, it will transform you from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. It will bring hope to your life, peace to your life, guidance and direction from your home. And lastly, they tell you how to get to heaven. That's what the Word of God is for. Another verse you can write down. We won't take time to go there this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this. The Word of God is living and active. It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So think about this. You know, it isn't like growing moss on the outside of your Bible, although some of your Bibles might have some moss on them, especially the ones that we have in the lost and found that you haven't looked at in a long time. We won't look. Go pick yours up this morning. All right. This word is alive and active. And for the very first time, as Jesus taught, the word came alive. Boom, it hit them. Because when he spoke, he gave them hope. It went right inside their spirit, man. And it went, whoo, he's speaking to me. It was alive. It challenged them. It is our weapon, our offensive weapon against Satan. You see, Satan wants to come to you and say, you're not good, you'll never be good enough, you're not a good dad, you're not a good mom, you've done this, you haven't done that, you'll come to me. What, what are you teaching? That, that isn't going to help those people. Come on, study some more, get something different. That isn't going to help at all. Thanks for all of you praying. See, I battle every week. And I always battle more when I teach on spiritual warfare. Into our home, into my mind, all kind of things come. And I just have to battle and battle and battle because Satan's a liar. See, I'm just human like you, so I can believe. And I need to have God's strength. Thanks for you for praying for me, because I need it, especially when we go through this stuff in spiritual warfare. So you need it. Now, if I'm at work someplace, and I fall down and cut my knee, and I have a, a cut about that wide and about that deep, where would I go to get it fixed? Go to a hospital, probably, right? Drive in and get it sewed up. If you're hungry after church today, where are you going to go? You're going to go out to a restaurant. I mean, that's what's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to fill your need there. And if you and I think about those things, if I'm hurt, I'm going to go to a hospital. If, if I'm hungry, I'm going to go to a restaurant. If I can't get my car started when I go out in the parking lot, I'm going to call AAA and get it towed into a gas station or wherever where they're going to fix my car. If you're hurting... Spiritually, you want to know about God. You want direction for your life, for your family. Where would you go? Church. Now, how ironic that Satan knows that. So Satan is a very active member of many of our churches. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, listen, you can go into some so-called churches this morning where the pastor will teach, but he will say to you, uh, this story about Jonah is uh, real, it's just a fable. It's kind of a story to get grab your attention. Let's see if we can find anything true out of it. So they don't believe this is the Word of God. Satan's in that church. By the way, Satan's in the pulpit. See, he knows the power of the Word of God. 
to transform you. If you believe these principles, you're transformed from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. Satan knows that. So he is all out war against the word of God being taught. Some of you, all your life, you were in a church and it was a whatever church and all you heard were certain topics because it was the pastor's favorite topics. Actually, I'd like to do that because I have some favorite things I'd like to teach. But when you teach through the whole word of God, you have to address it all. And you'll know if you were there because you'll open your Bible and you're always writing notes on the same page. That's where the pastor always found himself in Acts or wherever, you know, whatever it was. You open much of the Bible and you've never been there. There's no note. There's not nothing because you've never been there. See, you're going to hurt yourself because it's too narrow of you. All Scripture is inspired. Pick the Old Testament up. See that it applies. Some of the rest of you, if you look at our newspaper today, it's filled with New Age churches. If you listen, they don't talk about the Word of God is never talked about. They talk about psychology. If you watch some television programs, be careful. Sunday morning, you'll see a nice, beautiful church in California. You won't hear the word sin in that glass church. Why? Because man is good. Man is not good. That is not what the Bible teaches. I don't slam people, but be careful because see, that kind of doctrine keeps people from being right with God. Now, some of you also went to a church that all your life, when you left, you felt worse than you did when you came. Because you were told, you're not good enough. What did you do? And the lists of no's were longer than God's grace. You know it, don't you? And you felt miserable. Now we preach the sin word because there is sin, but we love to teach God's grace. Because His grace is greater than any of my sin. Some of you went to church all your life, and you got a sermonette for a Christianette. And you got about that much word. It was in the ceremony, And now you're coming because you come to the office and you share all the time. You say, I never knew that the Word of God spoke to all this. That's because you were never taught. So Satan is active in our churches. Now, that shouldn't shock you. That should just challenge us to believe and to pray that wherever God's Word is taught, in many, 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 many churches in this community and out throughout the world, you pray for those pastors in all those churches where the Word of God is taught, because this is what changes our lives, the truths that come from here, so that we would not compromise it. So don't be surprised this morning that Satan is here, right in this church, trying to upset, trying to get your mind... You've already seen his thoughts this morning. So see, Satan's active all the time to get our minds, what? Off the Word. Look back and... Mark chapter 1. Into that quietness of the synagogue service, what you heard was a demon speaking from a demon-possessed man. You're in the service. You know the man. You know his lifestyle. You know he's been bound. He's crazy at times. Dirty, filthy, thrown down on the ground. Other times seemingly normal. He's here in the synagogue. Look at verse 23. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us? Notice, us, Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? In the Greek it really says, You've come to destroy us. 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now why on this Sabbath day did this man filled with a demon cry out? We don't know how long this man has been demon-possessed. We don't know how long he's been coming to the services, but probably quite often to the services. Listen to this. The first time Jesus speaks the word in a synagogue, he shares light. The demon loves darkness. For the first time, the demon is uncomfortable in church. You see, there's lots of churches where you can live a full sinful life, demon-possessed even, and feel comfortable in church because the word is not taught in truth. For the very first time, you're there. Sabbath service. He cries out from the back. You see, every other service had been filled with talk, but no truth. Had been filled with ritual, but no power. Some of you are saying, well, that can't be. There's no such things as demons. Wake up. There is a spirit world. As we go through, we'll see it. We'll talk about horoscopes. We'll talk about the helplines, all of these things that are deceptive from Satan, filled with demons. Now, notice something very important. Look back at that verse. Verse 24, this demon says this, I know you. I know who you are. You're Jesus, the Son of the Holy One of God. The greatest deception from Satan to mankind is this. You can know Jesus. You can know about Jesus. You can believe Jesus. And then you're going to heaven. Wrong. You see, this demon knew Jesus. Knew who he was. He knew his name. He knew who he was related to. When you ask a person, why are you going to heaven? Well, because I believe in Jesus. I believe in him. This demon believed in him. Is this demon going to heaven? Not a chance. So to go to heaven, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus as your own Savior. Religion will never free a man from the bondage of Satan. Every week, they were sitting in religion. That day, Christianity came. A relationship with God. And Satan hated it. So he spoke out. He was trying to stop the powerful Word of God from going forth. He was going to verbally abuse Jesus. Is there any hope? Do you think it's strange that there's a demon-possessed man in church? Where else should they be? By the way, the church is a place for sinners. This is not a hotel for Christians. This is a hospital for sinners. Amen? In the book of Hebrews, we read, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart.
Pastor Mark used this portion of Scripture today to prove a point that the Bible is more than words on a page. It is living and active. It reveals the truth. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll learn how to defeat Satan in the home. You see, Satan tries to attack us from every front, in the workplace, at school, with friends, at home. He will try to gain a foothold anywhere he can. So we need to know how to reject his lies. We need to know how to stand for the truth. We need to be able to recognize his schemes and walk away from them. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 